This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Your host, Felice Gerwitz, is an author, a publisher, and your radio show host. She will encourage, educate, and inspire you with answers to your most pressing questions from homeschool, marriage, parenting, and much more. Felice loves to equip moms to live a Christian life because every moment counts. Be sure to visit her website at MediaAngels.com. And here's your host, Felice Gerwitz. Hi, everyone, and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz. This is an episode of Vintage Homeschool Moms Podcast 127. You can find the show notes at VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. And I want to thank our sponsors, which is MediaAngels.com, and we'll hear more about that in just a little bit. Hey, today I want to give out a couple of shout-outs. First, to Homeschooling IRL that is going to be uh, publishing their 100th podcast. And where can you find them? By going to the ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com and looking for that bright red button that says Homeschooling IRL. You'll find Kendra and Fletch uh, that have an amazing um, take on life. Uh, they are husband and wife. Uh, Kendra has been homeschooling uh, for many, many years with the support of her husband, Fletch, who um, is a dentist when he's not podcasting for this network, and they do a great job. So I want you to go over and uh, you know check out their show, and you can follow them on iTunes as well as many of the other podcast apps. I also want to give a shout out to our brand new show on this network, and that is the Homeschooling High School Podcast with the Seven Sisters. And if you wonder what the Seven Sisters are, who they are, and what they do, I invite you again to go to ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com and check them out. Um, we're really excited to have a show that is dedicated specifically uh, to high schooling, uh, homeschooling high school. And uh, that is such um, a real blessing. That is one of the shows I've been actually praying for, uh, that God would bring somebody along that would um, be willing um, and able to do that. And so they are uh, taking that on, and I'm excited um, to have them on the network. So again, check them out. Uh, Their show um, is officially launched. Again, you can... Uh, find them on the website, and soon they'll be available on iTunes. Um, you know, if you're listening to this in the archives, uh, just check iTunes, and uh, the show should be available, or you can listen on the website as well. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about an unofficial survey that I did on disciplining. In fact, I was with my uh, youngest son in the car, and I said, Hey, you know, what do you think about disciplining that works? And immediately he just kind of you know, looked at me and I said, no, 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 this is not, I'm not looking for some insights on, you know, how to discipline you. I'm just doing this uh, for my podcast. And he spoke for (laughs) a good five minutes about, you know, what he thought uh, worked and didn't work. In fact, I was going into the bank and I said, do you want to think about it? And he goes, no, no, I can tell you about it right now. And uh, that was um, really enlightening. But I think The consensus is when discipline doesn't work, um, people get really irritated as well as when discipline methods are unfair. 
And I looked um, at some interesting things on a website, and one of the websites in, in particular uh, does not believe in disciplining or um, anything like that. They really are looking at it from the perspective of teaching our children uh, to be able to deal with their emotions. And while I think that is wonderful and something that we definitely should incorporate with all of our children, they should, you know, at some point um, self-discipline and, you know, choose what is right just because it's the right thing to do and it's the moral thing to do. Um, I know that a lot of times these websites that that speak in this way are uh, dealing with one or two children. And many times people who listen to this podcast in particular and in the homeschool world in general are homeschooling multi-age children. And so, first of all, what works with one kid doesn't work with another. And uh, many of us do not have hours to spend uh, talking to our children and finding out exactly what the motivation is um, for whatever um, that issue is. So, you know, uh, while these techniques are wonderful, um, sometimes they're just not um, effective for our families. So everyone agrees um, that the best discipline, um, except for this one website again, um, is when the technique or the discipline um, is effective and it matches, you know, the crime, whatever that is. But even so, what works for one kid, again, doesn't necessarily work for another, and we don't live in a perfect world. So what is the parent to do? I know that um, for me, I had to start all over as a younger um, mom or an, and then later as a an older mom in what worked for me. So for me, the key to discipline, um, and I know you've all heard this, is consistency. And I'm going to go over this a little bit later. But if you... If you, um, if your kids know that you're going to stick with what you say you're going to do, it does work wonders. And I have five kids ages now, 35, 33, 20, 18, and 15. And I've had kids, you know, as a young mom in my 20s and as an older mom in my late 30s and then early 40s. And having kids as a more mature mom really helped me learn from my mistakes. But that doesn't mean I didn't still make mistakes. And the first thing I want to do is go over some definitions. You know, why do we discipline in the first place? And, you know, it it's something that we need to look at. And whenever I ask these questions, if you would just grab a sheet of paper and jot these down or think about them. And sometimes, you know, I know for me, when I listen to podcasts, I just some, sometimes just listen to them straight through. And then later, I think about what they said, and I'll go back and listen and take notes. And so, whatever works for you. But typically, we discipline because the kids have stepped over some imaginary line, or they've broken a rule, and whether it's spoken or unspoken. And this audio isn't so much about prevention, but that is wonderful when it works and when you are uh, consistent about it. And so I want to go through a little bit about prevention because, again, that is, um, you know, I talk about secret sauce. And that is one of the the secrets for, I think, why um, my disciplining techniques have worked or whether or not they failed. And it's not being uh, preventive. So the first is to warn your kids ahead of time about what to expect. I remember walking into the store with my um, two oldest children um, when they were little 
And I knew we were going to go into a store that had a lot of breakables.、Um, we were studying about Greece, and we were going into、um, a place,、um, you know, in, in Florida that had a lot of things that it was like a, a little Greek community, and it had、um, things like sponges and, and stuff from the ocean that could be, you know, coral that could easily be broken. So I said to my kids, We're going to be walking into this store, we're not going to buy anything. Um, I know you have some money that you want to spend. So, again, setting the parameters. And I would like you to put either your hands in your pocket or walk with your hands behind your back. And we are not touching anything in here. If you do touch something, we're going to be going outside. you know? And then I let them know, you know, we are going to be going into a museum where you can touch things, which I love the hands on museums for kids where they, they do have that ability. And so we walked in the store and they, they walked in there, you know, with their hands behind their backs and their cousins were there and they heard all this and, and they ended up, you know, copying my kids and walking around and they did really great. And then there was one section of the store where the store manager said, if the kids want to touch the sponges, they can. And my kids looked at me and I said, yeah, that would be great. And so they did. And it, it was a very, very good experience. But how did I come to that? <laughs> Because we walked into another place, and you know, have you ever had to pay for something your kids have broken? Well, that will teach us, you know, to give them a warning. So, I think the warning the kids ahead of time about what to expect is wonderful. The second is being clear and going over the rules so they understand what is expected. For example, bedtime make sure it's a specific time and you have a routine. For example, we're going to take baths, have story time. If you take too long in your bath, we're not going to have time for stories and so forth.、Um, you know, I know that some people have the routines down pat, and that really helps a lot because otherwise, the kids don't know what to expect.、Um, a lot of times, kid, my grandkids come over here and、um, They'll be getting ready to go, or they've, they've planned to take a bath here and they just haven't had time or run out of time. And you know, there are tears and, and things like that, but、uh, my daughter has, you know, many little kids. And so, you know, they've all learned. And with, with more kids, sometimes it works better、um, because of the, you know, the peer pressure of their siblings. So they're going to learn pretty quickly.、Um, You know, that, that it's, it's better if they do what they're supposed to do because it's going to help everyone. And, you know, the third thing is practicing.、Um, my daughter did this extremely well. I did not do this very well with my kids, but she practices with the very young ones because, again, she has, you know, the multi age and the little kids. And she practices them coming when she calls them. And, She's been to my house, come to my house where she's had to say, I'm sorry, Grandma, you know, Benny can't play right now, or, you know, I'll have, they're coming over because we're going to do some kind of crafts, or, you know, which I love to do crafts. And I was really sad when my little kids were growing up because I had no one to do crafts with. And so now my daughter is giving me all these little grandchildren. So Grandma's really happy and the kids are happy because、uh, Christina is not a big craft person. And that's my daughter. And so,、um, you know, poor Ben has to practice, you know, standing up at the wall and practicing while mommy calls him because、um, he didn't come to the car very quickly when she called him to come and get in the car to come to my house or whatever the situation was. 
And she'll keep practicing until he looks at her and he comes quickly and gives her a hug or whatever she's told him he needs to do. So that really helps a lot or saying that they're sorry if they've done something wrong or asking forgiveness. Whatever that rule is, practicing um, when they're young really helps. The fourth is rewarding good behavior or teaching kids to control their emotions. You know, again, that is something that can be instilled in small increments, um, pointing out a good behavior when someone's doing, uh, you know, a good job. That really helps. Um, For example, even with my teenagers, you know, and young adults in my house, um, when it's time to clear the table, everyone clears the table. Um, If someone, you know, picks up someone else's plate, I'll say, you know, hey, thanks so much for grabbing my plate. Or, you know, just giving them that thank you because sometimes we expect them to be obedient and to listen and there you know there's no accolades because we forget um, about that and basically you know discipline falls into three very broad categories and that is intervention time outs and taking things away and I'm going to talk about these things because um, I'm going to tell you right now I'm not a big fan of time out it works for some kids and it doesn't work for others Um, But I am going to explain how I've been able to utilize that um, when I've been at wit's end. We're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, I will um, go through some of these things that I really feel help a lot and work for me. Are you looking for a Bible study for the entire family? Well, I created one after searching for months for a study that would encourage my family to have group discussions, teach life truth, as well as point to God as creator. So since I couldn't find one, I created one. Homeschooling with Proverbs. I didn't want to zoom through the book of Proverbs in one month, as some suggest. Instead, I wanted to savor and meditate on the words and have the entire family on the same page. If you want a Bible study written for the entire family with specific audios and activities from pre-K to adult, look no further. This set can be used studying one lesson per month or completed in nine months or sooner. The option is yours. In this set, you will find audios, printables, and when completed, you and your children will have a beautiful keepsake notebook. Visit homeschoolingwithproverbs.com for more information and begin studying the book of Proverbs. Allow God's word to speak to you. Well, hi and welcome back. This is Felice Gerwitz with Vintage Homeschool Moms, and today we're talking about discipline. Uh, This is podcast 127, and you can find the show notes at vintagehomeschoolmoms.com. Well, before we went to break, I talked about, you know, how uh, disciplining falls into three very broad categories, and I just wish that, you know, we had the time to really um, delve into each one of these, but I'm going to give you some things um, that have really worked for me. And each child, I really feel, is a puzzle. And we have to figure out what works. But one thing I want to discuss um, in this podcast is that, you know, number one, without prayer, we can do nothing. So, you know, I really have prayed disciplining um, my kids that... It has fit the crime, and when they were little, it was really easier to discipline them, and I've really had, out of my five kids, one that is the most difficult um, to discipline, and that is my oldest child, and I remember when he first started driving, 
um, he had, you know, some real attitude. And one of them was having a vehicle of his own. You know, um, when we when they first started driving, my son and daughter shared um, a vehicle. And then at some point, you know, that that vehicle was sold. And then the kids um, each got their own cars because of different things. You know, Neil started working and Christina was going to college. And so uh, when my son got his little dream truck, uh, there was some real attitude there. There was a lot of, you know, this entitlement and sense of freedom that he had, um, especially when they shared a vehicle. It was, you know, having to uh, coincide schedules and that sort of thing. And, and I believe this really stemmed from um, his not letting me know where he was going and it was really at the very early stages of cell phones. And I don't even remember um, if he had a cell phone or not back then. Isn't that horrible? Um, it's, it's uh, you know, cell phones was not something that everybody had uh, like kids and, you know, adults do now. Everybody has a phone. Um, but it was more of a luxury item back then. But anyway, um, I was so upset with my son that when he came back home, I told him, I said, I'm so upset with you that um, I am going to pray that the Lord gives me, um, you know, what your what your um, discipline should be because, you know, I'm super upset. And he pretty much laughed, you know, kind of scoffed a little bit and shrugged his shoulders and walked in. You know, the child's too big to bend over and spank, you know, which was what I wanted to do in my mind. And um, I, I wasn't always a big spanker. Um, as a child, um, I was I was spanked quite a bit. My husband uh, was very strictly disciplined. And um, and so I think both of us weren't, uh, that wasn't the biggest thing. I, you know, my husband definitely more than I was. But um, Screaming and yelling was the norm in my house, and, and I always said, you know, I would yell and scream too because it made me feel better, but it didn't, you know, then you look at the fallout of your kids. So, um, again, I learned that that wasn't going to work very well in our family, and so, anyway, going back to my son, in my when I was praying to the Lord, the Lord said, take away the car keys, and I thought, you know, that's going to be just such a temporary fix, and so I really got from the Lord, you know, it wasn't just take away the keys. I kind of had like this little vision. I had this in our laundry room. We had this little um, uh, plaque that had hooks on it. And that's where my husband came in and put the keys or I we would put extra sets of keys on that hook so that if someone needed to move my car or uh, something needed to get one of the trucks needed to get moved, you know, there would there would be uh, extra set of keys there so you didn't have to track the person down. And so um, I, I told my son, I said, um, you know, because that's where I felt like the Lord said to put his keys. And I said to my son, I said, you no longer get the privilege of keeping your keys in your pocket. And I'm not just talking about the extra set of keys. You will keep your keys in the laundry room until, you know, this changes and this behavior changes. He was so upset. I really didn't think it would even, you know, what's the big deal? Hang up your keys. But that really worked. And after that, whenever I would say, I'm very upset, I'm going to pray about what, you know, the discipline should be. Uh, my kids didn't laugh anymore. It just took that one time. So it that really worked. So if you're at wit's end and your kids are older, especially, or even if they're younger, um, I would resort to asking the Lord in prayer. 
The second is explaining to them that life is not fair. I'm not an advocate of asking my kids what color cup they want or what they they wanted to do, especially because many times it would be, you know, would you like to take a bath now? No. Well, when do you want to take a bath? A little later, you know, or it's, it, you know, asking the kids um, things that are just setting yourself up for this big argument. Um, even when the grandkids come over, um, I have a specific cup that they can use. Each one of them has their own cup. Um, I ended up buying my daughter this set of thermos cups, and it's assigned every day. They get a new one, and it gets washed out. And, um, you know, that has worked really well. So we can do some things um, that that really help our kids not, you know, not setting them up for, you know, I always want the red, the red cup or I want the pink pink sippy cup or whatever that is and also explaining to them for example when they wanted to go somewhere um like let's say spending the night you know and i would just say no we don't do that in this family and they would say it's not fair i would explain to them that's right life is not fair and let's just get that over with you know that's it's a life lesson that we all learn i think that you know we need to teach our kids to make informed decisions, and there are times uh, to get them to do that. But again, in larger families, um, that is something that is very, very um, difficult to do. Um, getting, you know, making everyone happy, and that's the problem. I think as parents, we want our children to be happy and well balanced, but we're going to find that our kids are happiest when they are doing what they're supposed to do, and there is peace in the family. Um, another thing that I did was assigning things. You know, maybe this is the teacher and me, uh, but I would assign things like, you know, places where they sit at dinner time or assigning seats in the car. And we did different things according to birth orders. For example, you know, when the kids were little and I needed to reach the car seats, you know, they would sit where I could put them and, and reach their seat easily. Um, but as they got older, you know, my older, uh, and this is of the, the um, older kids, like when I had the first two kids and just had the two until they were 12 and 14 and I had the next three um, in the subsequent years, it was easier to just take turns. We'd go one place and they would remember whose turn it was to sit in the front and they didn't argue. But when I had the next three, you know, first of all, nobody sits in the front because that was a new thing with airbags. And then secondly, when my my oldest of the three was Nick, he would sit in the front and he would just sit, look at the other two and he would just say, I'm the oldest. Mom gives me more responsibility. I take out the trash. So if you want to sit in the front seat, first of all, you need to be, you know, this heavy and this height. <laughs> he had it down to a science. He was an old soul, I have to say. And you know, you're going to have to be responsible and take out the trash and do some of the things I do. And so I've got that as another line item here, enlisting the help of your firstborn. But, um, you know, again, it depends on your child. My oldest wouldn't have been as diplomatic as my number three child is because he was like the the oldest of the youngest. Uh, you've got that. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, when, when Nick and, and Anne and Mike um, were growing up. Christina, you know, was in her teen years and then get it going to college when Michael was, you know, one years old, I believe. And so, they, you know, they weren't around as much and Neil was working at that point. 
And so, anyway, assigning things really helped. I mean, to this day, Michael sits next to me because when he was the youngest, he sat next to me because I helped him with his meal. And so, to this day, he still sits next to me. And so, uh, it just, again, it just helps. So, when they understand what the rules are, um, you know, it, it, it makes life go easier. Uh, the three, the, the number, actually, it's not my number four points. So, one is disciplining, you know, with prayer. The second is life isn't fair, teaching that. That number three is assigning things, whether it's a cup or a place at dinner time or in the car. Um, the fourth is to enlist the help of your firstborn. And first of all, first of all, it doesn't work if your oldest is not kind. So, you know, if they're going to be helping you um, with your disciplining, they need to understand the rules and they need to discipline, you know, if they're disciplining their siblings with love. And and what I mean by that is not, they're not going to impart, you know, oh, you did this, so now you're, this is your punishment. But they are going to help them to do what is right. And that could mean you know, we're going, uh, we're getting out of the car and the little one wants to dart into the ro- road and the older sibling grabs the child by the hand. Uh, things like that. I have watched older siblings do absolutely nothing. We were at church one time and actually leaving church, the building, and I just watched this little two-year-old, you know, running up and down the pews and having this grand old time thinking it was like a racing, you know, strip and the older sibling that was a teenager sitting there just laughing at the two-year-old being bad and, you know, the mom talking and, and, um, you know, trying to stop her conversation to go, you know, get her child who was making, you know, a lot of noise. And so, you know, I, I, I thought about that later and I thought, gosh, if it was my kids, that little one wouldn't have gotten away. Uh, someone would have grabbed him. Um, it happens at church when we go to church with my daughter and her little kids. Um, if they're sitting with my older kids, you know, which are initially, you know, actually they're, they're aunts and uncles. And one of the little ones is not sitting still. My daughter or my son will, will tell the child, you need to go sit with mom. They're not disciplining the little one, but they're not allowing the little one to be uh, loud or do what, what is wrong while the service is going on. And so, you know, things like that really help a lot. Uh, Same thing if we've gone out to eat and the kids aren't behaving, um, they get to go back to mom and dad instead of getting to sit, you know, next to someone they want to sit with. Uh, The fifth thing is, uh, you know, teaching our children, um, first of all, to uh, control their emotions and also... um, what happens when there is a meltdown? So if there's a meltdown or consistent whining, um, one of the things I've done is said to the kids, listen, I will listen when you're ready to talk. If they're just screaming hysterically because they're angry about something, I'll first say to them, you know, are you hurt? Um, and they'll say no. And then they, they're screaming at the top of their lungs because they want to tell you, you know, someone took my toy or whatever it is. The first thing um, I'll do is, you know, I'll say, I'll listen when you're ready to talk. If that doesn't work, that's when I will put them in timeout. And especially um, if this is uh, in my home when I have the little kids here, the grandkids, and my daughter isn't here, 
because um, I, I read on one um, one website they were talking about, you know, well, remove yourself or walk out of the room. That's great if you have one kid and maybe you can do that. But if I have one four-year-old that's screaming at the top of their lungs because their brother their two-year-old brother took a toy and I have four other little kids, I cannot remove myself. It's easier to remove the child. So the child has to go into the corner and and when they're ready, uh, to when they've calmed down, you know, um, and sometimes they're, they're that upset that they need to scream and yell in that corner. And I'll walk over in there and I'll say, it's just going to take longer and I might have to set the timer for 30 seconds after you stop you know, screaming or whatever it is. And so that usually calms them down. And when they're done, we can discuss it and and try to resolve the issue. Um, another is avoid power struggles. I have to admit that, you know, even at uh, my, my age now, um, my teenage daughter had to remind me of this. So, um, you know, the two-year-old one day was really upset. Everybody was at the house, and we had had dinner, and my daughter and son-in-law were out on a on a date, and um, we were all watching the kids, and I had a lot of help. And I was at the kitchen, and I remember the two-year-old coming up to me and saying, I want my mommy. And um, he got really upset, and he started walking out. And I said, you cannot go outside. You need to come back in. And everybody else is on the couch and, you know, has a babe or two on either side of them. And they have their feet up, and they're watching a movie and popcorn. And I'm sitting here arguing with this two-year-old. And my daughter finally said, Mom, you know, quit arguing with him. And I said, well, that's, you know, he's ready to walk out the door. And she said he's not going to. And I kind of stood there and watched, and he did head out into the laundry room, but everything was dark, and he, you know, quickly came back. And, of course, I was ready to spring out, and we have had the stubborn ones who have, you know, walked out of the laundry room, down the stairs, into the garage, and into the front yard, no matter if it was dark or not. And, you know, of course, Grandma gets the the opportunity of following them out there. But once they saw the car wasn't there, then when they were able to come back in. And so, you know, again, I was able to do that because I had help and the other kids were being tended to, you know, otherwise I probably would have picked up the kid and said, you know, lock the door, which it's amazing how resourceful these kids are. And a locked door usually doesn't, um, you know, work that well because they're, they're good at, they're escape artists and they're good at that. So, you know, again, that's been the only time timeout has worked for me and that is the other thing that I've had to say to the little one you know if if you can't be good then you you know your mom's not going to let you come back or she's not going to let you stay and that's another effective thing yes that is threatening but they know I will I will stand with it because um you know I've had to I and I and I hate to complain about the kids because I want my daughter to you know at least enjoy her her evening out with her husband but she will uh, reinforce whatever it is that I say, and she's actually a lot stricter than I am. Uh, number six is money. Um, again, I don't like to argue with my kids, um, but I, I would do the preventative thing before we went into the store. And, um, you know, to me, prevention is the best advice that I can give. And I'm going to share with you something I'm a little bit embarrassed about, but it's a true story. 
Um, after we built our new house, uh, we went uh, to the stores, and I just said to my kids, look, you know, Mommy used to buy, and, I, and I'm a spoiler. Um, I have to say my love language is baking you cookies or buying you something or giving you something for free, which is why I love this podcast network that I own because I like to give things away. And, um, you know, the audios are all free. However, um, you know, at this point, it, it kind of uh, backfired because I wanted the kids to know that, you know, we're not going to be doing this anymore. So what did I tell them? I said, look, we are poor. We just built a new house. And uh, so, I, you know, we cannot go to the store and buy toys and things like that. We are just going to have to buy our groceries and the stuff we need, and that's it. Well, unfortunately for me, my little kids shared uh, this with their friends, and a well-meaning friend of mine shared the information with me and said, did you tell your kids you were poor? And I had to say, uh, yeah, how did you know that? Well, um, come to find out, you know, they shared it with um, her daughter, and so then I had to sit down and say to my kids, look, it's not that we're really, really poor, but Daddy and I discussed a budget and since not only did we build a brand new house but we had to buy a bunch of furniture for our now larger house we want to just spend our money on you know the things that we need for right now and we're saving our money and we're just not going to buy a lot of little toys you know unless it's a birthday or something special and so you know they understood that but you know, I just had to let them know that ahead of time because they they might have seen you know they, they you know how they the checkouts are horrible and they they stacked it against us parents or even the grandparents because there's gum and candy and and whatever. So, you know, that's one of the things that um, you know you need to let them know ahead of time. The second is if it's their money. And when they were little, I would just warn them, you know, that that if you spend all your money, you're not going to have any left. Um, and I just let them make their mistakes and hopefully they'll learn from that because when they get older, uh, you can make recommendations, but it's not always going to be effective. And I am a hands off pretty much, um, mother and mother-in-law, um, to my kids, you know, they're adults and they need to make their own decisions. I don't tell my daughter how many kids she can or can't have. That's not my business. Uh, when I've been asked, you know, how many children my daughter is going to have who's now expecting her seventh, you know, I basically say, you know what, it's not my business. It's up to her and her husband and God, you know, what they feel directed. And I'm not even going to get on that topic right now because I could um, really, I have a lot to say about that, but I don't want to get off on another topic. You know, the point is that we have to make decisions for our family and what works for us. And so the biggest thing we want to avoid is a meltdown at the grocery store or allowing our kids to pitch a fit and um, if you're, they're not going to get something. And I really believe that consequences are important. I know that, again, in, on this one website that really irritated me, um, it had all these things about how consequences were ineffective and you really needed to, to teach them all this other stuff. And there was a lot of talking going on and a lot of empathizing and a lot of um, acknowledging of feelings. And while I have to say all of that is very well and good, that a lot of times it's self-serving and, you know, it's, it's not understanding that it's easier um, to run that red light you know, then it is to stop. 
um, you know, the, even with the consequences that happen here in Florida, you never go when that light turns green. Why? Because half the people are not stopping when that other light turns red. And so, you know, if you're quick on the draw and you want to, you know, just step on the gas, that is not the thing to do um, if you're driving the Florida roads. Uh, because people, um, even though they know the consequences, it's death in a car going to run that red light. And so while it's, it's you know, great that people um, that are the psychologists or that, you know, um, write these blog posts want to explain, you know, that consequences um, are not always effective, um, you know, in that case, I would have to say, you know, the right to it. To a degree, but another is allowing our children to learn those hard lessons. The hard lesson of when you're not, you know, listening to what you're supposed to do, you're not going to get to have your friends over to play, or you're not going to get to go to your game tonight. Um, You know, and that's a hard one because, especially if the coaches are relying on a child to play. I know one time in Little League. Um, all the parents were really upset. Our catcher was really good, and his dad was um, is is a police uh, officer, um, actually a sheriff. And he was sitting next to his dad in the bleachers, and I didn't say anything. I just because it, we it's so funny. We kind of had assigned seating in our little league uh, where the moms and dads sat, and I always sat at the very top because you had you know that support in the back and. And the sheriff sat next to me or near me. And his son was there. And I just looked at him and smiled. And, um, you know, his wife came and she was pretty upset. And apparently he had not gotten a good grade on it on a test. And, you know, all the other parents were like, oh, is he okay? Is he sick? And, you know, sheriff shook his head and said, no, he's fine. And he didn't give any more information. And everybody was wondering, well, Later, I found out what had happened and everything, and and I, um, all the parents were upset because we lost the game because our catcher was really good and, you know, he didn't get to play. But I told the dad, I said, look, this was not a playoff game. This was, you know, yes, we lost a game, but I think that what he learned was so much more valuable and that was his dad told him to study for his test. He did not study for his test. And I don't even remember what grade he got. He didn't fail it, but maybe he got a B or a C. And his dad was trying to teach him a lesson that, you know, I told you that if you, you get your C's or whatever grade it was, you're not going to get to play. Well, I'm sure that that, that young man learned a lesson because not only did he have to come and get all these questions from his peer group, but he also taught everybody a very good lesson and um, and that definitely was a, an effective use of consequences um, the seventh is consistency and that is um, very important if your kids if you're the threatening repeating parent and you never say what you mean or you change your mind your kids are going to be upset and they're not going to trust you And I'm going to share a story um, about spending the night. And truthfully, the problem here was I didn't like my kids to spend the night, period. And that was my fault for even allowing them the opportunity to spend the night because I set myself up with, again, we want our kids happy and everybody else is spending the night. Well, one of my daughters really loved uh, spending the night. And so 
I, she wanted to talk to her friend on the phone and I, and every time she talked to her friend on the phone or we went on a little homeschool field trip, you know, invariably they'd want to spend the night or get together afterwards. So I said to my daughter, yes, you can call your friend. You can talk to her. However, you may not ask her to spend the night. And if she asks you, you will tell her no. Do you understand that? And she said, yes. Well, next thing I know, she's handing me the phone and she's not asking me to spend the night, nor is her friend asking me to spend the night. However, the mom's on the other end and the mom is asking me if they can spend the night. Now, she didn't get the whole entire memo of what I had told my daughter. And I said to the mom, you know, thank you so much for inviting her. But no, she will not be able to spend the night. And let me explain why. And I told the mom, who of course didn't know, that I had already said to my daughter, you know, don't plan this. And when we when we got off the phone, I was so upset. I said to my daughter, and this was a rash decision, which I did not stop and pray about it, um, but... I had to be held accountable to my words because I made such a big deal about it. And I said to my daughter, I said, not only will you not spend the night this one time, but you will not spend the night for one year. And we're going to mark it on the calendar of when this is. Well, of course, she had a meltdown and I sent her to her room and, you know, mom's not fair and so on and so forth. But I held to that. But not only that, everyone else found out about it. And I would hear things like, you know, one of my friends told me, she goes, oh, this is great because now I say to my kids, do you want me to do what Mrs. Gerwitz did to Christina? So now that my daughter is an adult with kids of her own, she understands my aversion to spending the night and she doesn't allow her kids to do it either, you know, and this was a hard lesson for her to learn. It was hard for me to stand by, um, you know, for an entire year And by the end of that year, I just basically explained to my daughter, you know, that I wasn't happy with it. And I, and I believe at that time she was in the second grade and I just didn't want to set a precedent. Why don't I like spending the night? I explained to her, number one, it's never ending. You know, once they, she did it, that was it. The second was, I told her, I said, you're so exhausted from staying up late. Then you're sick usually when you come home because you've eaten so much junk and it takes you days to get over And the third was that, you know, her behavior was atrocious when she did get home and it took days to get back to what is normal. So when I say no, it means no. And I had to learn that I could not vacillate on it. You know, I remember my son one time saying to me, this is my oldest, and he would say, you said I couldn't do whatever. And when can I earn it back? Because I was letting them earn back whatever it was that they wanted. And so I found out, you know what, I'm setting myself up because they're just thinking, okay, well, I did this wrong and I can earn it back. So I had to, you know, again, um, explain to my kids, you know, no, that 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 is not right. And I had to say, you know, that what I when I say something, I mean it. And the same needs to be for them, which brings us to point number eight to be responsible for your words and they need to be responsible for their words. So whenever they say something, you know, like we just had a no swearing rule in our family and that was it. Um, You know, you don't want your kids growing up like my niece who will remain unnamed. um, But we're, you know, as Catholics, we give up um, something the 40 days before Lent. And, you know, she sent me something, a text and said, oh, no, I didn't give up candy this year. I gave up swearing. So, of course, I gave her a really hard time about this, but, like, are you kidding me? This is what you have to give up? 
you know, and, and we don't want to, and I know as a kid she didn't swear, but you don't want to grow up into that, you know, whether that's what your workplace is happening in your workplace or, you know, if you just think that's cool. And, um, you know, my my boys um, work on a construction site. You know, my husband works on a construction site. And there's a lot of swearing that goes on there, but it's not permitted in my family or in the home. And I know it's happening when it slips at home. And so, um, you know, my husband, I'm very grateful and thankful that he isn't, um, you know, one who swears. So praise God for that. Um, and so, you know, it is something that um, you want to make sure, and especially taking the Lord's name in vain, which is so sinful and not totally not accepted and nothing that my kids uh, do. However, um, even quote unquote, the minor words are not acceptable. So, you know, we want to teach our kids very young that that they're responsible for their words and, of course, setting a good example. And that precludes all of this. You know, if we're having a meltdown like the four-year-old and arguing with the four-year-old and acting like a four-year-old, then we're not setting a good example. And I didn't even touch on our example. I'm assuming the best from all of us. Um, the reason I'm talking about the responsibility for the words, I'm going to use the example of boredom. You know, if my kids ever said they were bored, I'd say to them, Wow, that's amazing, because you know what that means to mommy? And they'd say, what? And I'd say, being bored means, mom, give me some work to do. Believe me, my kids quickly learned how to entertain themselves. My kids never said they were bored after the first initial times. Because if they did, that's exactly what I would say, and I would give them some type of work to do. Either it was a little bit more schoolwork, which I always said, isn't it great being homeschooled? Because mom can always find more schoolwork to do. Not necessarily to use it as a punishment, but to teach them to be able to entertain themselves. And there was plenty of things to do. So the best advice I can give you in a nutshell is prevention, consistency, and prayer, and not necessarily in that order. Listen, God bless, you know, uh, God gave us these kids, and he also equips us with the tools that uh, he wants of us. If we're grounded in his word, we're reading the Bible, we are praying, we are being consistent. We are immersed in what the Lord wants for us. We're not going to have to answer questions like, you know, well, how many kids, you know, does your, um, is your daughter going to have or not have, or, you know, deal with the, the sarcastic response from people. Um, we want to be shining examples, not only to our children, but to those around us. And, uh, we want to do what's right and teach our children to love doing what's right and that it is honoring to the Lord. So I just pray that this uh, audio has been helpful. Please drop us a line at um, VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. You can comment at any time on these posts. And if you want to really thank me, if you go over to iTunes and leave me a comment there or give us a star rating uh, on this show or any of the shows on our network. And be sure to catch that new show coming up, which is the high school um, podcast. And that is the Homeschool High School Podcast. Again, thanks so much. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and the VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.